Welcome to Teaching Channel Talks. Every other week, I'll be talking to expert educators about powerful issues in education. My name is Wendy Amato, and this week I'm welcoming Mari Melander Friesleben. We all know her as the principal featured in the documentary, Love Them First, Lessons from Lucy Laney Elementary. Mari, welcome. Thank you, Wendy. Mari, you embody leadership, compassion, and commitment. What would you like for people to know about you and your calling into this vocation? When I look back at images from the past, you know, when I look back at images of the Little Rock Nine walking up to that school, and I look at the people on one side or the other during that time, the people that showed up versus the people that, that maybe didn't even leave their houses or their offices, I know where I would want to be. And so if I can look at that and say, if my picture was taken in that moment, what side would I want to be on? And would I want to be visible? Would I want my children and grandchildren to be able to point me out on the side of right? And so that sustains me even amongst the heaviness and amongst the burden of it all, knowing that when history tells my story, I will be on the side of right is what matters to me and sustains me. But I, I would want people to know that this isn't for the faint of heart. This is this is for the for the courageous and the brave. I like that um, the lesson that courage is not about being fearless. Courage is when you take action in the face of fear. And there's no mystery about education. People know it's hard, but the courage is going into it and, and heeding the call, the vocation, when you know there's hard work ahead and opposition and obstacles and limited resources. And, and that's exactly what you've modeled for, for leaders and for teachers. I try and for myself. And for you. I mean, I, I can slip into it. You know, I can, I can easily get sucked in, get on social media, woe is us, we're so misunderstood and mistreated and disrespected. And, you know, all of those things, I can slide right into it like the best of them. But then when I started to ask myself, like, well, Mari, what did you, first of all, Mari, what did you think you were getting into? Like, what did, what kind of work did you, you knew what kind of work you were getting into and, and education you know, I mean, even thinking about history, that bombing in Birmingham that killed those four little girls on that Sunday morning in that church. I mean, that was that was about schools. Schools, schools are the heart beat of America. Of course, when America is reckoning with itself, the strain is going to be most deeply and starkly felt by us in the schools. Of course, that's how it's always been. And so that's where I have to remind myself, it's always been this way. It's always been this way. And, and, and I signed up for it. You, you're referencing some historic events. And you and I both know that there is injustice today also. What do we do in the face of people who, who blame students for their circumstances how do yeah. we 
how do, how do we get them to understand that there are some systemic things in place that need to be addressed? Yeah, so um, to me, I mean, I see it, it and maybe I, I oversimplify it too much, but like you gotta own it, right? Like you, you, you have to own it. So um, for example, you know, my city, Minneapolis, Minnesota is, um, you know, we're just at the epicenter right now of, um, and have been since the Memorial Day murder of George Floyd in 2020. And then we had um, Amir Locke, a 22 year old, um, uh, you know, innocent young man that was, was Wednesday, Wednesday morning at 648 AM. And, um, and so, you know, I called my kids into an assembly yesterday. Um, they have advisory on Mondays and Fridays. And so I said, we're just gonna have an all school assembly. We're gonna have an all school advisory. And, you know, teachers are so funny because they don't like, they don't, they don't like, they don't like their schedule to get, um, wait, we're doing what we're doing. What? And I'm like, it's okay. I never do this. You guys, it's okay. I always honor your time, but, but let's do this. Let me pull everybody together. And I told the kids, I said, because in what I, what I saw our leaders do when Amir Locke was shot and killed, I saw our city leaders get up and they, they held a press conference right after it happened. And they told us as residents, they said that, um, they justified his shooting death. Okay. So they said he was a suspect and he had a gun and all this stuff. And, um, and, and I believed him, I, I believed them. Um, I believed our mayor, I believed our police chief because I, it is ingrained in me and I have every desire to default to believing leadership. I, I, I don't wanna be a conspiracy theorist. I don't wanna live my life thinking I'm always being lied to. That's not a happy place to be. So I, I, I lead with giving my leaders the benefit of the doubt. And then what, what, what is hard is when you find out later that, you know, that wasn't necessarily the case, uh, you know, that he was not a suspect and, and, and that he legally owned, owned a gun, like some 40% of Americans who legally own guns and, and he didn't um, hold it up and he, he, he went for it, he reached for it and, and it was a no knock warrant. And so uh, he was coming, waking up out of his sleep and, you know, what in a blanket wrapped in a blanket. So what gun owning American would probably not respond in a similar way. And, and so what I told the kids and the staff yesterday, when I pulled them together, is I said, look, we all make mistakes. We all make mistakes. I've made mistakes. Every one of us has made mistakes. It's how you respond to those mistakes and it's how you own those mistakes. And so I feel like when it comes to the institution of education, you know, one of the things that I strive to do with every every group that I work with is, you know, before we do too much, let's own, let's own our role in America. Let's just own it. Let's own what we did to Native Americans. Let's own the fact that we're still digging their bones up from schoolyard graveyards. Let's own that that tragedy is built into their DNA. Let's own that in our city and in our state, you know, when we drive by a predominantly Native uh, community or native population, and and we see the 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 plethora of chemical dependency. Let's own that. Let's own our role in that. Let's own our role in in black violence. Let's own the our role that it was illegal. You could die if you knew how to read it right. So we we started that. We instigated that level of violence when we when 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 we put people in bondage. So. The, 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 to me, 
the importance of being in education today is that you got to understand where you came from and you got to own it and you got to acknowledge it, right? And then once you do that, it kind of allows you to just drop your shoulders a little bit like, ooh, okay, I, d- I didn't do a, an American Indian boarding house. I did not bring uh, Africans over uh, the Middle Passage over the Atlantic Ocean. I did not do that, but I'm walking in a system that was a part of that. And so what that causes me to do is it causes me to have my eyes wide open. It's just like when we teach our kids how to drive, right? You don't teach your kids how to drive and not pay attention to their surroundings and and the road and what a red light versus a yellow light and a green light means. And so what I do is I say, let's pay attention to our surroundings. Let's pay attention to our history. Let's own it. So because then that way it allows us to, to, to reverse it. Can we talk a little bit about standardized testing? Certainly this was a, a theme that uh, we experienced in the documentary. What, did, yeah. what is this about? Um, I, I think it is, I think for me, um, it, it's very multi-layered. So I think at its, at its root, um, I'm just a firm believer in, in multiple indicators of success. That's just it's just how I live my life. Um, you know, I, I'm not successful by how much money I make. I'm not successful by um, alone, right? I'm not successful by how my children are doing alone. I'm not successful by um, my career alone. I'm not successful by the quality of my marriage alone. I'm not successful. But guess what? You put all those things together. If I have if I have a great marriage, but my kids are are in a horrible space, my kids are um, doing very poorly, and I can't keep a job, and and I'm broke all the time. But that one indicator of success did not make me successful. And and when I go to the doctor, they don't just take my blood pressure and then and then tell me my blood pressure is great, so I'm great, or my blood pressure is bad, so I'm dying. It's one indicator. There's multiple other things that a doctor is going to do, right? They're going to check everything. They're going to check my blood. They're going to check my weight. They're going to they're gonna listen to my lungs and listen to me breathe, and they're going to talk to me before they make an assessment on how I'm doing. And so I think at its core for me is how did we get to a point where we took one indicator and we allowed that one indicator to be an indicator of success for children, mm-hmm. like for children, for our most vulnerable, that's tragic. That's criminal that, I mean, shame on us to, to, to take that one indicator of success and begin to implant that into their psyche at four and five years old by performing diagnostics and identifying them and labeling them and placing them in, in, in tracked categories. And then when you add race on top of it and you add language on top of it and you add economics on top of it, you're taking an, an inhumane structure and you're exacerbating it it's, it's in, it's inhumane for the child that that's been given, you know, a silver, a silver spoon in their mouth from the time they were born, because heaven forbid that they, that they didn't, that they don't emerge, you know, as that gifted child, I find it, um, absolutely. Um, I, I find it shameful. 
for any child. And then I, I find it disgraceful when we add all the other elements to it. Yeah, that label sticks to the student, to the teacher, to the school, the district. Mm -hmm. And as you evidenced for all of us, that's not a label that comes off easily. No, not at all. Especially again, when you add all those other elements to it, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. In the opening of the film, you looked at your room of educators and you said, if you question your ability, you have three days to get over it because I bleed this school. And if I didn't think you could do it, there's no way I would have you here. A lot of teachers are questioning their own commitment right now. The past two years have beat up a lot of people. What would you like for the, the teacher who's questioning commitment right now to keep in mind? Are there some that should leave? Maybe, but for the vast majority, I would say, join the club. We're all questioning. My mother is a, is a nurse in the intensive care unit here in Minneapolis, Minnesota. She's questioning. My husband served 30 years on the Minneapolis Police Department. He's questioning. And we're, we're collectively questioning every aspect about who we are in the United States of America. We have had a big bucket of ice water splashed in our face with this pandemic pandemonium, really. And, and, and some of the, the greatest political division we've, we've seen since really the civil rights movement. And, and so if everyone is not questioning, you're not, you're not paying attention. So if you're questioning right now, that that's good. That means you have a heartbeat. If you're, if you're wondering, if you're confused, if you're asking yourself some questions, then, then you're alive. Praise God. You have a heartbeat. You're paying attention. You're not, you're not comatose and you're not, you're not insulated. Um, and you haven't become callous. So that's a really good thing. And then the advice that I give myself and I give other people is, what do you, are you running away from something or are you running to something? For me personally, the way I raise my children, the way I speak to my, my kids here at school or my colleagues is the blood that runs in my veins, the, the, the people um, that I know of, the, the, especially my black ancestors, um, you know, they, they didn't just run away from stuff. They ran towards, they had to know, you had to know where you were going. You, even if you were escaping slavery, you had to know where you were going. You just run, guess what? You're going to die. And, and maybe, it, maybe it gets to that point, right? But ask yourself, where, what are you running towards? Keep your eyes open. If there's really something out there, if you always wanted to be a librarian, if you, you know, if you, if you, if you always wanted to go to medical school and, and you never did, but now you can, okay, right? But, but be careful not to just run away because even though, you know, there's a great resignation happening across all career paths in our country right now, you wanna make sure when you look back five, 10, 15 years from now, 
you don't feel like you took an easy way out. Questioning's good. I want the teachers who are questioning because I want to know that they got up that morning and made a choice to be there to show up. Mm -hmm. Not the zombie. Yeah. Mari, I want our conversation to be remembered because of a focus on students and a focus on love. But I know that anybody who's seen the documentary is sitting with lingering questions like I am, uh, deep concern for the students in the film. And part of me wonders if you're seeing them now coming from elementary, getting ready to come see you now that you're a high school principal. Uh, I wonder if there are any updates that you would be kind enough to offer about the yeah. students we fell in oh. love with. Yeah, so um, I would say, I would say probably about half of a third to a half of the high school population that I have right now are my former Laney kids because we we were their pathways their pathway school, so that's great. Um, my current ninth grade class, my current freshman, would be the fifth graders that you guys saw in the documentary at that fifth grade graduation. Um, Sophia is uh, doing well. She and her brothers have been adopted by a great family, um, but they uh, are outside of the city of Minneapolis, which I think is just fine. Sometimes you need a complete new and fresh start, um, but they're doing well. There's no question in my mind that the students who were in your care are stronger and more resilient because they had time with you. There's a, a deep feeling that uh, you have changed the lives and changed the, the futures of the, of the students you've worked with. I'm appreciative of that. And I'm hopeful that educators across the country and around the world will remember to have their priorities straight. And, and, and just as the title of the film said, the, the, the title came from a quote from you in film, love them first. Thank you, Wendy. Mari, I'm honored and humbled to have shared a conversation with you. You are a role model and an inspiration. Thank you for reminding us to love our students. To my fellow educators, thank you for joining me this week. You can find links to related items that Mari and I discussed in the show notes or at teachingchannel.com slash podcast. If you leave us a rating and review on whatever podcast listening app you use, it will help more educators to find us and to remember to love their students. See you in two weeks with another episode. Bye.